0: Part 5, Chapter 23 of The Manxman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit librivox.org. The Manxman by Sir Hall Caine, Part 5, Chapter 23. Kate was standing in her room with the door open, beating her hands together in the first helpless stupor of fear when she saw a man coming up the stairs. HIS LEGS SEEMED TO BE GIVING WAY AS HE ASCENDED. HE WAS BENT AND FEEBLE, AND HAD ALL THE LOOK OF GREAT AGE. AS HE APPROACHED HE LIFTED HIS FACE, WHICH WAS OLD AND WITHERED. THEN SHE SAW WHO IT WAS. IT WAS PHILIP. SHE MADE AN INVOLUNTARY CRY, AND HE SMILED UPON HER, A HARD, FROZEN, TERRIBLE SMILE. HE IS LOST, SHE THOUGHT. A SCARED EXPRESSION PENETRATED TO HIS SOUL. HE KNEW THAT SHE HAD SEEN EVERYTHING. At first he tried to speak, but he could utter nothing, then a mad desire seized him to lay hold of her by the arms, by the shoulders, by the throat. Conquering this impulse, he stood motionless, passing his hands through his hair. She dropped her eyes and hung her head. Their abasement in each other's eyes was complete. He was ashamed before her, she was ashamed before him, One moment they faced each other thus, in silence, in pitiless and awful silence, and then slowly, very slowly, stupefied and crushed, he turned away and crept out of the house. It is the end, the end. What was the use of going farther? He had fallen too low. His degradation was abject. It was hopeless, irreparable, irremediable. End it all, end it all. The words clamoured in his inmost soul. Halting down the quay, he made for the ferry steps, where boats were waiting for hire. He had lately hired one of an evening, and pulled round the head for the sake of the breath and the silence of the sea. Going far out this evening, your honour? the boatman asked. Farther than ever, he answered. Pull, pull, away from the terrible past, away from the horrible present. The steamer had arrived and had discharged her passengers. She was still pulsing at the end of the red pier like a horse that pants after running a race. A band was playing a waltz somewhere on the promenade. Pleasure boats were darting about the bay. Sea birds were sitting on the water where the sewers of the gay little town empty into the sea. Pull, pull! He was flying from remorse, from despair, from the deep duplicity of a double life from the lie that had slain the heart of a living man. How low he had fallen! Could he fall lower without falling into crime? Pull, pull! He would be a criminal next. When a man had been degraded in his own eyes, and in the eyes of her he loved, crime stood beckoning him. He might try, but he could not resist. He must yield, he must fall. It was the only degradation remaining. Better end everything before dropping into that last abyss. Pull, pull! He was the judge of his island, and he had outraged justice. Holding a false title, living on a false honour, he was safe of no man's respect, secure of no woman's goodwill. Exposure hung over him. He would be disgraced, the law would be disgraced, the island would be disgraced. Pull, 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 before it is too late, Out, far out, farther than tide returns, or sea tells stories to the shore. He had rowed like a slave escaping from his chains, in terror of being overtaken and dragged back. The voices of the harbour were now hushed, the music of the band was deadened, the horses running along the promenade seemed to creep like ants, and the traffic of the streets was no louder than a dull subterranean rumble. He had shot out of the margin of smooth blue water in which the island lay as on a mirror, and out of the shadow of the hill upon the bay. The sea about him now was running green and glistening, and the red sunlight was coming down on it like smoke. Only the steeples and towers and glass domes of the town reached up into luminous air. He could see the squat tower of St. George's silhouetted against the dying glory of the sky. Seven years he had been its neighbour, and it had witnessed such happy and such cruel hours, all the joy of work, the sweetness of success, the dreams of greatness, the rosy flushes of love, and then the tortures of conscience, the visions, the horror, the secret shame, the self-abandonment, and last of all, the twofold existence as of husband with wife, hidden, incomplete, unfulfilled, yet full of tender ties which had seemed like galling bonds so many a time, but were now so sweet when the hour had come to break them. How distant it all appeared to be! And was he flying from the island like this, the island that had honoured him, that had rewarded him beyond his deserts, and earlier than his dreams, that had suffered no jealousy to impede him, no rivalry to fret him, no disparity of age and service to hold him back, the little island that had seemed to open its arms to him and to cry, Philip Christian! SON OF YOUR FATHER, GRANDSON OF YOUR GRANDFATHER, FIRST OF MANXMEN, COME UP. OH, FOR WHAT MIGHT HAVE BEEN, USELESS REGRETS, PULL, PULL, AND FORGET. BUT THE HOME OF HIS CHILDHOOD, BALOUR, Auntie nan HIS FATHER'S DEATH, BRIGHTENED BY ONE HOPE, THE LAST, BUT, AH, HOW VAIN. PORT MOOR, Pete THE SEA'S CALLING ME, PULL, PULL, THE SEA WAS CALLING HIM INDEED, "'calling him to the deep womb, that is death, not birth. "'He was far out. The sun had gone. "'The island was like a bird of ashy grey stretched across the horizon. "'The great wing of night was coming down from the sky, "'and up out of the mysterious depth of the sea came the profound hum, "'the mighty voice that is the organ of the world. "'He took in the oars, and his tiny shell began to drift. "'At that moment his eye caught something at the bottom of the boat.' It was a flower, a broken stem, a torn rose, and a few scattered rose-leaves. Only a relic of the last occupants, but it brought back the perfume of love, a sense of tenderness, of bright eyes, of a caress, a kiss. His mind went back to Sulby, to the Melia, to the Glen, to the days so full of tremulous love, when they hovered on the edge of the precipice. They had been hurled over it since then, "'It was some relief that between love and honour "'he would not have to struggle any longer. "'And Kate? "'When all was over and word went round, "'the deemster is gone, "'what would happen to Kate? "'She would still be at his house in Athol Street. "'That would be the beginning of evil. "'She would wait for him, "'and when hope of his return was lost, "'she would weep for him. "'That would be the key of discovery. "'The truth would become known.' though he might be at the bottom of the sea, yet the cloud that hung over his life would break. It was inevitable, and she would be there to bear the storm alone, alone with the island which had been deceived, alone with Pete who had been lied to and betrayed. Was that just? Was that brave? And then, what then? What would become of her? Openly shamed, charged as she must be with the whole weight of the crime from whose burden he had fled, Accused of his downfall? A Delilah? A Jezebel? What fate should befall her? Where would she go? Down to what depths? He saw her sinking lower than ever man sinks. He heard her appeals, her supplications. Oh, what have I done, he cried, that I can neither live nor die? Then in that delirium of anguish in which the order of nature is reversed, and external objects no longer produce sensation, but sensation produces, as it were, external objects. He thought he saw something at the bottom of the boat where the broken rose had been. It was the figure of a man, stretched out, still and lifeless. His eyes went up to the face. The face was his own. It was ashy grey and it stared up at the grey sky. The brain image was himself and he was dead. He watched it and it faded away. There was nothing left but the scattered rose-leaves and the torn flower on the broken stem. The terrible shadow was gone. He felt that it was gone forever. It was dead, and it would haunt him no longer. It had lived on an empire of evil-doing, and his evil-doing was at an end. He would see his soul no more. The tears gushed to his eyes and blinded him. They were the first he could remember since he was a boy. Alone between the two mirrors of sea and sky, the chain that he had dragged so long fell away from him. He was a free man again. Go back. Your place is by her side. Don't sneak out of life and leave another to pay. Suffering is a grand thing. It is the struggle of the soul to cast off its sin. Accept it. Go through with it. Come out of it purged. Go back to the island. Your life is not ended yet. End of part five, chapter twenty-three